I can see you out there, Cam. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports. Our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. Uh, final hour of the show live from the Auction Community Studios, and Kellen Olson is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. It's Wolf and Luke, K Ray in for Wolf today. Kellen, you made it through the regular season. I don't think you pulled a Jaden McDaniels and punched a wall or a Rudy Gobert and punched any teammates. So how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, yeah. Doing a lot better than Timberwolves fans, right? Jeez, oh, please. <laughs> hey, and real quick, Kellen, does your business card say Suns Megamind? Because if it does, it's the coolest business card ever. <laughs> okay, Ray, they come up with a new name for me here every like six weeks or so. I'm sure it'll be something different by the time the Western Conference Finals start. I'm used to it. If we're good over here. I love it. The names get better depending on how the team does, which Kellen obviously has no control over at all. <laughs> right. That's still how we refer to him. Uh, Kellen Olson, of course, writer for uh, for ArizonaSports.com, has a series up all week, right? Kellen, you have part one up there right now. Kevin Durant versus Kawhi Leonard at last is the title of it, just previewing this series. Um, so people are going to be able to find stuff from you all week, I would assume. And and what do you think about KD versus Kawhi? I think that it's awesome for not only basketball fans, but sports fans in general, because the story behind this matchup is that in 2019 in the NBA Finals, Game 5, Kevin Durant's coming back for the Warriors. He's been out for a month with a calf injury. He's facing off against the Toronto Raptors, who is where Kawhi is. And, and Kevin Durant and Kawhi face off for about a quarter, and then Kevin Durant has that Achilles injury. You go back two years earlier, it's another really memorable injury, and that's like the unfortunate part about this is like two of the more memorable injuries in the last like 20 years. Both of these guys sustained when they were about to play each other because I think it's finals game one. Kawhi's in there. They're up 25. San Antonio is on the road, really surprising the Warriors, but then infamously Zaza Pachulia's foot is under Kawhi Leonard's as he goes up for a jump shot. They changed the rule to make flagrant fouls now a possibility there to check the landing zone. I know K-Ray loves those delays as much as I do every time we to review to see if someone stepped on another person's foot. That's because of Kawhi, and that's because of two series where we should have gotten to see these two guys in their prime. Now, they have some playoff history before this. There were three series where the Thunder took on the Spurs, but that was when Kawhi was like a late bloomer. He was in his early 20s, only averaging about 16 points per game in this matchup in the postseason, but we know Kawhi is at a seriously high level. He's been playing nearly every day now for the last three months after coming off that ACL tear. and It looks more or less like Kawhi. So uh, there's a lot to go with this matchup and a lot of places to go, but we're going to see a superstar against another superstar, and they're going to be guarding each other every night, too. That's another fun part about this. I'm really looking forward to it, as you can tell. Yeah, I just, I mean, that that part of it, what you said there at the end, is what, you know, Suns fans, NBA fans should be drooling over. Um, Because, yeah, the last 18 games, Kawhi averaging about 27, 28 points per game, doing Kawhi things. Um, And so we, we now have a healthy Kawhi and a healthy Kevin Durant, so it definitely sets the table nicely for for NBA playoff fans. It absolutely does, and included in the piece is the only two times that they've met in the regular season in the last five years, because again, these guys have had their fair share 
of injuries and the videos included in there two of them they were two really memorable games there was one in Brooklyn two years ago where both of them went off and then Kevin Durant had 51 against the Raptors uh, four years ago in, in an overtime loss where he hit back-to-back threes in the final minute to force overtime with Kawhi Leonard guarding him at the start of the possession it was pretty incredible stuff we're going to get a lot more incredible stuff from both those guys over the next two weeks I think Talking to Kellen Olson, uh, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, Kellen, when you when you look at this matchup now, and maybe the answer is still Kawhi, but I think a lot of people of the teams the Suns could meet in the first round going into this weekend would have preferred the Clippers. What in your mind is, is the biggest potential problem L.A. can throw at Phoenix? Yeah, I'll start by saying that I think that this was the best possible outcome for the Suns in terms of seeding and everything else because I think the four teams that I was focusing on the most that could give them trouble with no disrespect to the others, of course, were the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Clippers, and the Warriors. It was those four teams. The Lakers and the Pelicans are on the play and They could potentially not even make it to the playoffs. And you've got the Clippers, but you're getting the Clippers before they're at full strength. At least at the start of the series, they would not have Paul George. I think there was a really good chance that the Clippers landed somewhere else on the other side of the bracket, got past the first round without Paul George for much of the series, and then they were at full strength and were a serious problem. We we might not see that now. I think we will see that, to be honest. And then uh, the other team that I mentioned as well is the Golden State Warriors. They're on the other side of the bracket. You're not going to beat them until the Western Conference Finals. So I think this turned out to break really well for them. I honestly think that the only way in which the Suns lose this game is, is their biggest problem will be themselves. I think that's going to be the case for this entire run. I think that their ceiling is higher than any other team. But with that in mind, this kind of matchup specifically, they're without one of their star players. They've really struggled with guys three through seven. I think they have a lot of names like Norman Powell, like Eric Gordon, like Terrence Mann, Nick Batum, guys we know, guys we know who are solid, but at the end of the day, their production and just them finding their best five-man lineups has been a struggle for them all year. So I really just do think it's going to come down to the Suns and their execution, being able to defend, avoid cause a turnover, stop fouling. It's just really some of the basic stuff, and that's the best part about this draw is that you get a really favorable one to play out four, five, six games here and see how you're feeling, get your feet wet, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Kellen, I want to get your thoughts and insight into where you think rotationally Monty will go with this first-round series and understanding that, that every series presents different matchup possibilities. But as we look at Suns Clippers, where, where do you think Monty will start rotationally uh, first three off the bench? It might be the only three guys to come in, to be honest. I, I, I think that Durant's going to play 40-plus. We know that he's already kind of said a couple yeah. of times, like, I like my minute total in the 40-plus bar, and, and he's going to hit that in this playoff uh run for sure. Devin Booker's in the same kind of range, and Chris Paul is going to get the ball, too. He's going to go from 36 to 40, and that's where we'll see DeAndre Ayton in those games where he is really, truly an X-factor, and he was a lot of he was an X-Factor a lot of the time in those West Conference Finals meetings two years ago. I, I think the campaign is still going to be the first guy off the bench. It was interesting that he experimented a bit in the last week of the season with point book because, again, when Chris Paul and Kevin Durant come out of the game, that's when book usually leads it with the reserves, but campaigns normally on the ball a lot. That's where you put in Shamit. Instead, I think we will still see a backup center, specifically against the Clippers, who like to use Plumlee. I think that's going to be biz, but we'll see how this knee contusion works out for him. It sounded like they avoided something serious or something that will avoid him from playing at the start of uh, this this uh, series. Uh, I don't know about the eighth guy. I think you could go in a number of different directions. I think Terrence Ross is the leading candidate right now. I think T.J. Warren unfortunately got sick at a time where he really could have locked down his role. Yeah. You've got his winger's defense. You've got Landry Shamit's defense. I think based on the matchup specifically, and what they kind of mean. I just think that like defensive structure is going to be something really important to them. So I lean Ish or Landry. 
Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that, though, as you can tell by the tone of my voice there. It might be Terrence Ross. I don't know. I think they'll go nine for this series, but, man, so the guys eight and nine might play five minutes because those, those top three, like I said, they're going to be out there a lot. Yeah, and, and that was a thing that, that I know EJ has stressed a lot on our telecast with fans, you know, a few weeks ago getting and being kind of up in arms about our son's bench and the productivity, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, forgetting that come playoff time, and, and we talked about KD's remarks Thursday against Denver when he smiled. You know, I mean, it was his biggest smiles I've seen since he arrived when he saw 40. He's like, yeah, I, I, I like to be around 40-plus. Yeah. <laughs> the neighborhood he wants to be in. Uh, yeah, he absolutely does. And, and like, as much as depth is a conversation piece, right, it, it comes down to your best players. I mean, Milwaukee is a really deep team, but that's not going to matter when Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis are out there for 40-plus minutes. Like, I, I don't really think it's going to matter as much, and it won't matter as much for the Suns. It just matters how their four best players play. Kellen, great stuff as always, man. I'm sure we'll talk to you a lot throughout these playoffs, whether you want to talk to us or not. That's just the way it's going to be. So thanks, man. I always want to talk to you guys, Luke. I just give you a hard time sometimes. I think everyone just gives you a hard time. Can't worry if you haven't given them a hard time, they'll give them a hard time. Any chance I get. Yeah, I was going to say, K-Ray's been relatively light so far. He's saving something for the end of the show. <laughs> Kellen, thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Kellen Olson joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. We'll flip back over to football when we come back. According to Adam Schefter, six teams have called the Cardinals about that number three overall pick. Who are the teams, and what should the Cardinals do with that number three overall pick? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke K. Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show here on this Monday afternoon. It is Wolf and Luke, except it's K-Ray and Luke, because Wolf is probably buying a bunch of Diamondback season tickets. He was so excited going into the season, and now they have uh, only improved. So you think Wolf is doing yard work on his day off? You think he's, like, pruning plants? and <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Wolf could you, doing yard work. Could you imagine Wolf with like garden shears? No, or? <laughs> no I don't think he's allowed. But what I could imagine Wolf doing yard work is Wolf lining up and running full speed to tackle a tree to try and move it. Like, ah. this tree needs to be removed. I could hire somebody to remove it, or I could just run into it like a tackling dummy. <laughs> That's what I picture Wolf doing in the yard. Um, we're going to flip back over to football here, and a tweet from Adam Schefter that we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. It just you know, going back to where the Cardinals are in the draft, and uh, and with the third pick coming up, the draft is about two weeks away, two and a half weeks away. And he brought up the fact Adam Schefter did that they still haven't decided for sure what they're going to do, but also that they've had six teams. The Cardinals have had six teams call them about that number three overall pick. So we were looking at it before, trying to figure out. Like you, you can probably do the math and figure the Colts uh, and the Ravens and probably the Raiders and the Titans. Those are probably four of the teams, right? right? It certainly makes sense. You hope the Colts are one of them. If not, that's probably a bit of a problem. But beyond that, who knows who those other two teams are? The exact uh, tweet from Adam Schefter is, at least six teams have inquired with the Cardinals about trading up for the third overall pick in the upcoming draft per league sources. Cardinals still are mulling whether to move, pick, or make it. So I don't know about that last sentence. You could you could convince me that Monty Austin Fort has already decided he wants to move it. 
but is being smart and not telling anybody that um, to maybe try and drive that price up. But either way, if I'm just going to take that tweet at face value, the Cardinals don't know for sure if they want Will Anderson or if they want to move the pick. Right. And as we were talking earlier, I think so many things on the table here for the Cardinals, which is, do you feel like he is not necessarily generational, but transformational enough to your defense, to your team? And I think, as you pointed out earlier as well, like with Kyler, you don't know when he's coming back. I mean, obviously, it sounds and looks like the clip that I saw last week, like making great strides with his rehab. But, and this is the thing that I remind folks about Kyler or any player, not the least of which is your quarterback, coming off an injury like that. During the Cowboys games, when Dak Prescott went down with a much less serious injury, but serious nonetheless, to the ankle, which required surgery. And Zach, Dak was in no way running as much as Kyler did. He didn't use his legs nearly as much for impactful plays, but they were still impactful nonetheless. For an entire season, he just did not look to run. Yeah. And I just think from a mental standpoint, people aren't accounting for what goes on between the ears for a player who had that kind of talent and playmaking ability and to have that in some ways kind of stolen away for the moment and believing in those legs again on a regular basis, and especially because it was a non-contact injury. Um, and he already seemed kind of like he was getting more and more hesitant Reluctant to run. and hesitant to run. So yeah. what does this injury do? And, you know, maybe he'll be the outlier, too. I'm going to come back and going right back to what I did. I just think there's enough evidence with other guys, receivers, quarterbacks, coming up an injury like that where... It takes a while. I would also add, and this is you know this is speculation and connecting dots, and so I could easily be wrong here. But I, I would I would add their moves or lack of moves this off season to to sort of indicate that they have thought of that. Because if you really think Kyler Murray might miss two games, why aren't you still going for it? You know? Exactly. And I'm not saying get re- ridiculous with your spending, but you could bring back Byron Murphy. He didn't get he got paid nothing. There's no reason not bring back Byron Murphy unless you don't think he's good and he was really good before he got hurt. So that, to me, was the move where it was like, oh, they don't think they're going to win next year because probably what you just said, Kyler, even if he comes back three weeks in, may not be Kyler the way we know him until late in the season or the following season. Maybe it is a lost season. And in that respect, I want to be clear, that's not the Cardinals' fault that Kyler Murray got hurt. You no. know, But I just I don't understand all the stuff that they have done or not done so far this offseason because... I've posed this question to people, and some of them are like, well, you know, the smart thing to do is tank, right, and get the high pick. No, it's not. You already you already have your quarterback. You're already paying him. So are you really tanking for another high pick a year? I don't think they're doing that. And a rebuild in the NFL shouldn't take years and years and years. And if you're not calling it a rebuild, it should take even less time. Right. Years and years right. and years. <laughs> Great point. I, as I told you earlier, my, my move would be... I, I get this year may be a lost season, not like you just throw it away and don't try. But as far as like moves, I'm I'm focused on being able to be a playoff team in 2024. I, 
if that's too lofty of a goal when you're paying a quarterback like he's a franchise quarterback, then you got to make some other changes too. Yeah, because I think what's important, and we touched on this earlier, considering everything else that has gone on and is currently going on with this team, like you need to show some organizational intent and structure to your fan base mm-hmm. for them to continue to to buy like literally buy in and keep coming to your games uh and i know it's the nfl and you know nfl tickets move quickly because fans whether they're your fans or the other team's fans will will pay top dollar to, yeah. to, to come see them they'll, but they'll, they'll move tickets either way but right. it's the emotional investment the emotional investment and I think the organizational structure and intent is as important with all these moves for your for your fan base. Um, and that's why I, I think that with a new coaching staff, new executive staff with Monty, I think that they're they have to currently be looking at Kyler and saying, regardless of what progress you're making based on the personnel that we're going to take the field with next year, you might be ready in week three or four, but you're not coming back until like week seven, week week eight. Um, it sends a message to Kyler is we're protecting you. Yeah. And we're, we know we're not ready to win this year. So take the extra time, get yourself squared away, set up with this new coaching staff, uh, forge those relationships and bonds, and we'll be ready for you to come back in week seven or eight and finish strong and give us all hope and promise for next year. I'm sure that a version of this has happened before, but I, I don't remember one off the top of my head. Maybe you do where a team basically strips it down around a quarterback that you just gave a huge contract to. Those are such different directions. And I'm I'm always big on this in any sport in life. Make a decision and go with it, right? Yes. As best you can. I know you can't do it all the time. And again, this Kyler getting hurt, that's not the Cardinals' fault. But it just feels weird to be like, okay, we're going to strip it down. And again, stripping it down... like. I'm not upset they didn't go out and throw a bunch of money at a free agent that you, has never played here. Right. I, but I I would have liked to have kept Byron Murphy. I hope they keep Isaiah Simmons. You can add some players that aren't just, well, yeah, that guy's an NFL player. Well, he's an NFL player because you paid him to be on your NFL team. Are you? Could you be bringing in better players? Because you're paying your quarterback this much. So I, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying of the unknown because of the injury. And it's not just as simple as, well, he'll be back in week four. Well, okay, but when will Kyler Murray be back? Not just a shell of Kyler Murray. And there's no way to know that. So I, I get that it's difficult to navigate, but it's also very difficult to interpret how they're navigating it so far. Agreed. So we'll see. But I, I guess that ultimately all comes back to whether or not you want to keep uh, the number three pick and draft Will Anderson. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Are the Suns potentially in a better position this year at this time than they were a year ago heading into the playoffs? We'll discuss that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, so let's see. A year ago at this time, 
We were watching the Suns come off a 64 win regular season and waiting to see who they were going to play in the first round of the playoffs. And then New Orleans went on that little play in tournament run, and the Suns had a couple days to prepare for them. And we don't need to talk about last year's playoffs beyond that. Not so much. Again. Uh, K Ray's in for Wolf today. It is Wolf and Luke on this Monday afternoon. K, we were talking pre show meeting. You can make a pretty compelling case, especially knowing what we know now after last year and how it played out, that the Suns are in a much better spot heading into these playoffs than they were a year ago, despite the fact that they won 19 less regular season games. Yeah, and and that sounds crazy to say, right? But I, I think there is a significant amount of truth in that. Um, Monty was asked yesterday before the game by somebody about uh, comparing last year's position with a team going into the postseason and this year. Um, And really at its core, what he came back to say is, yes, we would love to have had maybe more time with Kevin because of the injury and everything, but Really looking at it big picture beyond KD, what this team went through and adjured, the coaching staff, the the number of bodies, the different rotations, the different starting lineups. I think it was 20, 26, 27 different starting lineups. Uh, And they weren't number one, but it tests a coach and his coaching staff. It tests the the fortitude and the resilience of the players. And I know not everybody on this team today was the same team from a year ago or the team that made it the NBA Finals. But as he said, being stressed the way we were this year with all of those things going on uh, has made us all better. It, it has sharpened all of our focus in ways that last year they didn't, you know. Yes, they were challenging games, but they won 64 games. They took their foot off the gas like the last five games of the season. Then they had the week off. And because they weren't really tested and pressured and they weren't faced with the kind of intensity and force that the, the Pelicans and ultimately the Mavericks put on them. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, they would say, we got exposed. We got exposed in ways that we did not anticipate, did not see in the regular season, and we paid the price for it. And and way before, well, preseason, I mean, Monty and the coaching staff were talking about the adjustments that they were planning on making, some of which was playing Chris more off the ball, getting other guys, and that was part of the off-season assignment for many of these guys, is you're going to work on your ball handling skills. Because we cannot go through another season, much less playoff, where if Chris and Book get trapped, because it's going to happen, that our offense just completely implodes. No, I I mean, Chris Paul basically said that on one of the radio broadcasts in late October. He just flat out said, like, look, yeah, uh, we got to take the weight off of me and Book in certain areas, like you're saying right there. You know, there was a a stretch in in that Dallas series last year. where it was like, okay, well, you know, Devin Booker doesn't have a shot early in the game. You know, he's just missing some shots. Now, we all know if Devin Booker doesn't have a shot in the first quarter, he'll have it by the third quarter. But the problem is the Suns were down by 30 by the third quarter in some of those games. So it didn't matter. You figure now having Kevin Durant, if Devin Booker has an off night or at least a start, which 
doesn't happen all that frequently, first of all. But let's say it does. Okay, well, Katie will just go off until they get into the second half and Booker's back. Or Chris Paul now will be in a much better position to uh, to score. But to your point, I think this almost is just as simple as they didn't face a lot of adversity last year. Yeah. They they had injuries, but they overcame. What was the record with DA at one point? They were 18 and 3 without DA. You know, they, right. It was and and then like you said at the end of the season they went they went 2 and 4. Those last 6 games were just kind of like, "All right, like let's go." Kind of set them up with little fool's gold. Yeah. Like we we've we've run through everybody. There's nothing that we haven't done this year. Well, actually there was because teams chose not to deploy that defensive strategery against you in the regular season. They saved it. Yeah. They, they sat they on like it. The whole league got together and they're like, <laughs> we'll just save this for at some point in the playoffs right. for the Suns. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Here's the kryptonite. Good luck. <laughs> but that's it really was. We saw them face adversity. And I, I guess to be fair, they faced it in the New Orleans series and Chris Paul played out of his mind. And so they made it to the second round. But when they faced adversity in the second round, I mean, they were up 2 nothing in that series. And some people like almost forget, like, oh, Game 7 was so terrible. Yeah, so it was Game 6, and I wasn't a big fan of Game 4, and even Game 3 wasn't great. You know what I mean? Right. Once they faced adversity, it really felt like it was like the first or second time all year, whereas this year, uh, they've faced plenty of adversity with the injuries and the ups and downs, and there was a while there you didn't know if they might drop into the play-in. And I, I, I think when you compare that, they just feel like they're more battle-tested this year. And they do also have Kevin Durant. You know, he didn't have Kevin Durant a year ago. Oh, there's that. <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yeah. As EJ would say, Kevin freaking Durant. Um, <laughs> and, 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 yeah. And, and look, as we saw those last few games with Chris, just beyond the, the shooting, because in that win streak before they sat the last two games, he was shooting 46, almost 47% from beyond the arc. And I would say at least half of those were what, by NBA terms, were wide open. A defender beyond six feet. Yeah. Now, you give Chris Paul a six-foot window in which a defense has not rotated. And they're scared to rotate because there's that dude... And then, number one, on the other side of the floor. They really can't rotate. It's not even a like, oh, we're too scared. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to Kevin Durant open? Like- I mean, Ty Luce said it when the Suns faced the Clippers a couple of weeks ago when he was asked about the addition of Kevin Durant, and, and this is when Kevin was out. And he goes, one word, scary. And, and, and that's, that's essentially what we saw in those eight games. But beyond just the shooting with Chris, it's how fresh he looks. Yeah. Yeah. He's not having to labor, bring the ball up, initiate the offense, trigger everything, and then be in a position, if the shot clock is winding down and Book draws a double, to try to magically make something happen. Now you have three playmakers and creators who can handle the rock and make things happen. That's, you know, we saw last year they were so dependent on Booker and Chris Paul. Oh. And, and you wouldn't expect both of them to struggle, but we still, I mean, the Chris Paul situation in the Dallas series was just weird anyway. Like, he, he never looked like Chris Paul. Uh, but now you're, it's not like you're spread out like top to bottom throughout the roster, but to have Durant and Booker and Chris Paul be in a situation where you don't need him to be a scorer, but he's also in a position where it's probably easier for him to be a scorer. And if he is a scorer, I don't know how you beat the Suns. I mean, they basically have an Olympic team. (laughs) I said this when they first made the trade, but now here we are going into the playoffs. Not a lot of teams have Kevin Durant, 
Devin Booker, Chris Paul, like guys with that experience and that are still in their prime. And yes, Chris Paul's probably past his prime, but he's still really good. Kevin Durant is still in his prime, and Devin Booker, the scary thing is probably just entering his prime. But you got three guys that have won gold medals, you know right. what I mean? And, right. and they're on one NBA team. And I, and I will say this, because we haven't said his name a whole lot. Annie talked about him, but um, I would be remiss if we, if we don't reinforce the level of importance of one DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. And DA needs to turn it up to... 21 playoffs, D.A. D.A. needs to attack the rim the way Darius Baisley and Saban Lee did yesterday. That was a great dunk. They they attacked the rim yesterday like yesterday was the last game that they were going to play. Yeah. That that is the that is the level of intensity and hunger and passion that the Suns have to get out of DeAndre Ayton. If you if you want to be playing in June, because we know what we're getting out of book, we know we're getting out of KD, we know we're getting out of Chris Paul. It, it they everybody says big four. Well, for it to be a big four, number four has to be big, has to play big. It's a good way to put it. It's um and that's that's some lofty company to be in if you're DeAndre Ayton. All of a sudden you it, and it's just it it makes sense because of where this team is, but all of a sudden you're lumped in a group with Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker. You better you better bring your A game most nights at that point. Uh, we come back. Which teams are the biggest threats for the Suns in these playoffs? We'll run through our, our most uh, our most contentious clubs next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Final segment of the show here on this Monday afternoon. What? Final, Final segment? segment? We were just both saying that during the break. I need to, like, pack up. <laughs> like Dave Burns is going to walk in here and be like, uh, hey, he's going to give you the hairy eyeball. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> we have a show at two. Leave. Um, so you look around. Uh, we, we have to get into the Minnesota thing before we get into this because we never – there's so much stuff going on today. Wow. How many first-round picks did they give up for Rudy Gobert? Four? And a pick swap, if I remember right? Yep. Maybe they, I guess if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm sitting back being like, if if you wanted the Rudy Gobert that doesn't punch his teammates, that cost you five first round. <laughs> right. You should have right. gone for the exclusive pack. <laughs> Remember that conversation we had? <laughs> I told you. So he's suspended. That came down during the show today. Rudy Gobert suspended for their play-in game. After yeah, all. by the team. Yeah. By the way, by that, that was by the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So he <laughs> is. Read Woj's tweet if you want an explanation, and you will laugh. It's fabulous. <laughs> and Kevin O'Connor's follow-up tweet is, is even even better uh, because I think <laughs> Kevin O'Connor, you had the same reaction that Kevin O'Connor did. Was you're like, wait a minute, is that that can't be Woj's real handle? That's got to be a, a fake account. You, you saw my initial reaction <laughs> when it first happened. I was like, I got to click on this because it's clearly somebody pretending to be Woj. <laughs> no, the reasoning he gives is uh, that's really Woj that tweeted that out. What's the old <laughs> the old uh, sticks and stones may break my bones? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, apparently, Rudy Gobert goes by a different code. <laughs> because apparently. you don't call him a certain word more than once without him going all tough guy. Yeah. I mean, what a... <laughs> what a mess that is now. So they, they are lined up to play the Lakers in the play-in. And, you know, the, the play-in is, I think they the league did it the right way. But it is kind of a weird thing that everybody has to reacquaint themselves with when, when this time of year yeah. rolls around. Because it's not a little tournament. The Lakers and Timberwolves play. The winner is the seventh seed. The loser is then in a one-and-done for their playoff lives. So... Certainly on paper, Rudy Gobert getting himself suspended for punching a teammate while Jaden McDaniels walks out and punches a wall. They're in a pretty good spot to lose that game to the Best Lakers. Best perimeter defender, by the way, Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. So, I mean, so I Rudy beating L.A. Rudy aside, like, even McDaniels is healthy and ready to play. I would have given Minnesota a, ch- a chance. Yeah. But without Gobert... And they'd already lost Nas Reed. Their backup center has played fabulous this season. Um, and uh, he was a you, problem for the Suns. Mean, he was at that game. I was telling you, I was at that game. Was that a week and a half ago? And he, yeah. was, he was an issue for the Suns. Absolutely. He He's been a problem for, for a lot of people. Um, so you lose him and, and now Gobert, McDanza. I So, yeah, Minnesota is going to be. More than likely, barring just an absolute debacle of a game from LeBron and AD and the Lakers, they're going to be locked in at seven. So then you're going to have a Lakers team theoretically facing off against a beaten up and injured Memphis team who lost Steven Adams. It was officially announced over the weekend that he's done for the season. They'd already lost Brandon Clark. Great backup when they kind of played slash small big ball. Brandon Clark was was a guy, local kid, uh, has carved out a great, you know, spot in the league with Memphis. So they lose him. So right now the Lakers, I mean, when we talk about the Suns being positioned well for their first ride, the Lakers are in a pretty good yeah. spot when you look at their kind of path. This is one thing I would say for, and again, I'm not trying to pile on the Suns fans who just really miss Mikel. And they're like, man, I'm still, I, I got to see what the Suns do in the playoffs before I'm going to feel good about this trade. That's, I, I get it. Yeah. I mean, he was a fan favorite for a reason. Um, but what I would say to make you feel a little bit better before these playoffs even start, Minnesota and Dallas, and I'm sure there are others, but Minnesota and, uh, and, and, and Dallas are prime examples of when you go all in, like go all in, get something good. Don't you don't go all in for like a well. I don't know if they. You don't go all in for a lottery ticket. The Suns went all in and got Kevin Durant. The only risk with him is injury, which to a certain extent is a risk for any player that you you trade a bunch of pieces for. Dallas went, uh, you know, a version of all in for Kyrie. He might already be done there. Well, and, and look, it it is why I continually remind fans. Yes, we all get caught up in the the player, the statistics and, you know, their impact. But at the end of the day, the person is as important, if not more than the player. And it's why James and Monty are in lockstep on the type of person that they want to bring into that locker room as much as the player. I'm trying to just pull up the exact numbers. So it was what they gave up what Minnesota gave up for Rudy Gobert, because that was my other example. When you consider what they gave up, they basically went all in on Rudy Gobert, because it's four first-round picks. It's a it's a first-round pick swap. 
So, I mean, that never works in your favor, obviously. So you gave up all that. Let's see. Uh, Walker Kessler, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt to Utah for Rudy Gobert. And, and what has Rudy Gobert done for you? You're in the play-in tournament, and he's not even going to play because he got suspended for punching his teammate. In the last game of the season, by the way, knowing full well what's up next, this is not... Look, it's not great Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole before the season, but at least that was before the season. This is, hey, we're basically playing a one-and-done in our next game, but you said a mean thing to me, so I'm going to punch you and get suspended. And you're my teammate. Like, what if I injure my teammate with the punch? Yeah, and, and you could, and believe me, Utah and Minnesota fans, those with keen eye, will be watching closely um, this time a year from now. The Jazz could be ahead of Minnesota. And then it only gets worse from that point on. And then it only gets worse from that point on. Because Minnesota, or Utah, was talk of the league for much of the season until they didn't want to be. Yeah. And that's exactly how that played out. Danny Ainge, as much as he would have liked to have gotten his team into the playoffs just for the... They, they had no real designs on getting to the postseason. They're going to collect those picks, collect the talent, stockpile around, um, you know, the, the core players that they've got. And I don't be surprised if this time of year from now, Utah is back in the playoffs and Minnesota could be fighting for their lives again. Yeah, that was, a, was just a really weird way to, to handle things if you're Minnesota. It probably threw off a lot of teams' trades you know, or potential trades going into the season, too, of like, well, <laughs> this team that we're trying to deal with is saying it, it costs four first-round picks and a pick swap and players just to get Rudy Gobert. So what's it going to cost to get Kevin Durant out of Brooklyn? Everything. And, and like the key to the city and maybe some substantial buildings in downtown Phoenix. <laughs> like, I, how are you supposed to make a deal after that? Um, real quick here. The other teams, like not not teams that scare you, but Golden State's certainly on the list. Like, which teams in the West do you think pose the biggest threat to the Suns here? Uh, well, certainly Golden State. But as we talked earlier, you know, I, I feel like just because of of the the lack of of playoff experience that Sacramento comes to the table with, and the way that teams seem to be trying to line up to be, I wouldn't mind being number six seed, yeah. take on that inexperienced Sacramento team. Don't sleep on Sacramento. And look, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder for a number of reasons. One, that building is insane. It's all they have there sports-wise, too, so they're and, like all in. And oh, by the way, from their perspective, think about what they've had to endure for the last, beyond their own playoff drought, their Northern Cal sisters and brethren. Yeah, that's true. Gloating over all the banners <laughs> and wins. I didn't even think of that. Golden they State, have been yeah. literally the redheaded stepchild for, you know, a decade. And now you have a chance to knock them off. So don't sleep on Sacramento as much as everybody wants to say, oh, Golden State's trending. Andrew Wiggins is back. You know, the Kings have no experience. No, but they got a lethal offense, and if, if they could figure out how to defend in, in just enough stretch of time, it might be Sacramento that advances. That's a team that could <laughs> cause some problems for sure. That's a great point. Uh, that's it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. K-Ray, thanks for coming in, man. This is fun. Always happy to. Yeah, all right. Uh, so K-Ray I'll wear in... my suit next time. Hey, thanks for that. I'll wear the orange uh, the, the Jordans <laughs> you have on, too. All right, uh, for K-Ray, I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo up next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.